Right now, though, we're going to have a discussion that I think should be pretty interesting. Will be for me, anyway. We're going to talk about cryptocurrency, which, uh, as you know, has just grown and grown and grown over... I don't know how long it's even been around. That's one thing we'll find out. But what can we expect? It's been a busy year for crypto. So we're going to chat now with Erica Pimentel, who's an assistant professor at the Smith School of Business at Queen's University in Ontario. Erica, thank you for your time. Appreciate you joining us today. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, I think crypto is, uh, I mean, it seems to become, I don't know what the word is. It's not popular, um, maybe mainstream, more accepted. It looks like, you know, more and more people are aware of it. And I think the past year was was a big year for crypto in that regard, right? It seemed to grow by leaps and bounds. Oh, yeah. Well, I, to your earlier question, how long has crypto been around? Yeah. Just over a decade. Bitcoin okay. was invented in 2008, 2009. Um, so this has been the year of Bitcoin. It started off the year one Bitcoin cost about 20,000 US dollars, yeah. and now we're about... 47,000 U.S. dollars per Bitcoin, and some folks are predicting next year it's going to be 100,000 U.S. dollars for one Bitcoin. So we've even seen countries like El Salvador accept Bitcoin as their legal tender. So we are seeing massive, massive moves towards saying, look, Bitcoin was intended as a payment system, and we're seeing uh, institutional infrastructure investments to make that possible. Look, there's, there's this site is called Coinbase, where you can exchange your regular currency for cryptocurrencies. It had an IPO this year that raised over $800 billion U.S. So mainstream investors are saying, yeah, this is where it's going. This is where I'm going to put my money. Um, and the other big thing we've seen, I'm sure you've heard of, are NFTs, non-fungible yes. tokens. Though Everybody's talking about them. And Sotheby's, one of the major auction houses in the world, launched Metaverse, a site that specifically for trading digital um, art like NFTs. So we're really seeing the mainstreaming. Everybody's hearing about it. Everybody wants to put money on it, whether they're going to make money or not, whether it's going to be a scam. Everybody wants to get on it right now. Okay, so let's talk about what happened over the course of the past year, because like you say, I heard the El Salvador story. Uh, were there other things? I mean, you need to get big accepted, I don't know, financial institutions, companies that need to sort of jump in on the Bitcoin thing. Did that happen in 2021? Yeah, so we, we're seeing much more institutional money going into cryptocurrency. And that's what you really need for the market to work, right? You need the big players, the pension plans of this world, the big banks of this world to say, yeah, we're going to take a, take a stance. I'll just give you one example. Um, European investment banks, so the lending arm of the European Union, issued a 100 million euro digital bond on the Ethereum blockchain. They had Goldman Sachs involved. They had Banco Santander, Societe Generale involved. So... You know, these are people who are saying we're going to test the water. They're not putting all their investment. Yeah. This is a, a drop in the bucket for them. But to say this is possible. Um, and for me, Softbee is saying we think there's enough of a market to, ha to have a complete new division devoted to digital art is something uh, as far as I'm concerned. So we're really seeing also at the regulatory level. Right, because a lot of people are saying, "I don't want to get into crypto. Sure. This is unregulated. I'm going to lose my shirt. What happens if something goes wrong?" Well, I have to say, we're very lucky in Canada because the Canadian Securities Administrators have been on top of this for years, and they have been trying to come up with some regulation to make sure that investors are protected. Other parts of the world, it's not like that. So, the United States has just come out saying, "Okay, we're going to produce some policy directives on crypto next year." So, you know, we're seeing some regulatory activity, and I think that will take the people that are a little bit more nervous, at least make a small investment to see if there's something they'd be interested in. So, okay, 
NFTs. You've mentioned them a yeah. couple of times, and I know they're a big deal, and people are talking about them a lot. What are they? Help me make <laughs> sense of these things. Sure. So NFT stands for non-fungible token, meaning it's a not changeable digital proof of ownership. So let me give you an example. Okay. If I have a Picasso, I own the canvas. That is the proof that I own the canvas. It's literally in my hands. Yeah. I could have a digital piece of art that's a JPEG, like just a file on my computer, and this token is the proof that, yeah, this is the authentic original JPEG file. And now the applications of this are all over the place. So we could have actual digital art. Another area that's really big is in games. So a lot of, for many years, people have been playing these online game immersive environments, and there could be some special magical boots or something your player wants to upgrade to. Well, you could buy an NFT of those boots. So you're the only person in that entire environment that owns that particular upgrade. And so this is, that's legitimate. Also, people have been doing that for a long time. Now there's new applications that are linking the real world with the digital world. So you could have a, a diamond and you have the, the proof of ownership that you bought it at Burks, right? Yeah, but if yeah. something happens, your house burns down, how can you prove you ever owned that diamond if both the diamond and the receipt are destroyed? You could have an NFT of the diamond. So a digital proof of ownership of something in the real world on the blockchain. So if something bad happens, you go to your insurance company and say, here, I have this digital proof of ownership. When it starts to get weird, get a bit funky, I find. When it starts to saying, get weird. <laughs> <laughs> when it, I, I, so people are saying, well, wait a second. Where, what is valuable in this context? Is it the diamond or is it the online proof of ownership? Some people are suggesting I could very well destroy the diamond and the online proof of ownership takes its value without the asset backing it. And that's where I think the valuation starts to fall apart. So I think if you're interested in going into crypto, it's asking yourself, what, where do things get their value? Why would I pay for a JPEG? Why would I pay for an asset that only exists in a game environment? Right. Whereas if I, if I buy a piece of real estate, sure, the market's telling me it costs a million dollars, but that piece of real estate, I can live in there. I can rent it out. Uh, it has used to me beyond just trading. And so we get into these very strange scenarios where people are paying these, you know, what is a Bitcoin worth? It's worth $47,000 US because somebody else is willing to pay $47,000 sure, exactly. US. But it, there's nothing, there's nothing backing it in the same way a Canadian dollar has value because it can be transacted with, but we also have the entire apparatus of the Canadian government behind it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I think that's what's holding a lot of people back. But but like you say, you know, if you're seeing the Microsofts of the world get in and Goldman Sachs is involved, I mean, once you get sort of that that heft behind it where some of these international giants are sort of, okay, we're going to pay more attention to this, then it adds more of that structure that you're talking about sort of behind it, right? Absolutely. And so I buy Bitcoin, right? Yep. What am I going to do with it? Unless I'm waiting for the price to go up, it's useless to me. So one of the major things we're waiting for for crypto to go mainstream is to have more places that you can simply use it as a means of payment. Yeah. Like, could I go to the grocery store and use it? Right now, you can use it with Microsoft. You can use it with Expedia. But nobody's really doing that. The, the levels of uses are very low. We need more of these. Maybe you've seen advertisements for the Bitcoin ATMs where you can start having small transactions. Because Bitcoin was not intended as an asset, like a share or something investment. It was intended as a payment system, like another PayPal, like a digital cash. But until you have anywhere you can use your Bitcoin, we're never going to see that side of it real get realized. Um, 
what about, you know, and I think for a lot of people, and you touched on it, security and safety, especially with these, yeah. you know, the NFTs or with, there are so many different cryptocurrencies out there now. I think a lot of people are a little gun shy. And like you say, they don't want to lose their shirt getting into this. How secure are these? Well, here's the thing. So we had this this crypto last year was super popular. It was the Squid Game crypto. Yeah. So it came out when everybody's watching that show and it ended up being a complete fraud. Like there was there was nothing behind it. Or there was a fake NFT by was supposed to be by Banksy, the famous street artist that ended up all, sold for two hundred and forty four thousand British pounds that was complete forgery. So I to say in Canada we're lucky that security regulators are looking at this, but there's this there's research that says Regular investors are highly susceptible to fear of missing out. When I hear my neighbor made $10,000 in Bitcoin in a week, I want to make $10,000 too. (laughs) And a lot of folks that I'm talking to that are really at the bleeding edge of this space say, I don't bother understanding what I'm investing in because by the time I understand it, the investment opportunity will have passed. Well, that's fine if you have nothing but money to burn. But I think for a regular investor who wants to go into crypto, the thing is, start small and make sure it's you choose one or two cryptos that you really understand, that you start to follow carefully. Focus on the big ones, so Bitcoin, Ether, Cardano, the well-traded ones that you can research yourself and make sure that you follow them carefully. But it, it, you have to recognize this is speculative. And we've seen a major drop in the price of Bitcoin just in the last two months mm-hmm. because the economy is recovery. It can recover. People are taking their money out of speculative investments like crypto and putting them back into the market because there's investment opportunities there. So and, that, I think that says something. And I think it's important that you're pointing out here when you're talking about these uh, Bitcoins, I, I, I've got some of them uh, or, or p- pieces of some of them. And the one thing that I learned very early on is don't be looking at that thing every day. Just forget oh, about no. it if you can, because it is absolutely, it's a roller coaster ride, minute to minute, day to day, month to month. Oh, absolutely. Um, I read an article in The Economist that suggests that only 20% of Bitcoin is ever traded regularly. The rest is sitting in long-term accounts. So people buy Bitcoin with the intention of holding it for a very, very long time. And and the prices are incredibly volatile, like 100 times more volatile than the Canadian dollar. Way more. So, you know, it's really you're buying this because you think you're going to sell it or use it in five years from now, not because you want to turn around and make a quick profit, because... That's really just the timing, and no one knows what's going to happen tomorrow. No, exactly. Great, great uh, conversation, Erica. Thank you so much. I learned a lot. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Take care. You too. That is Erica Pimentel, an assistant professor, Smith School of Business, Queen's University.